Welcome, my friends, to Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat, the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about the peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up from them. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, and by the end of the show, we're going to find our sweet spot. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. Hey now, how are you doing? I want to welcome you to the next episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. And today's guest is going to be a lawyer extraordinaire, but we're not going to talk about law. We're actually going to talk about being a real person and really what we do in that living part of life. So I'd love, you to, love to introduce my friend, Carl. Carl, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, David. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to our conversation very much, very much looking forward to it. Yeah, no. Uh, so Carl and I actually met uh, with the, the Institute of Wellbeing in Law, and you know it was you know a, really a combination. We've had a couple of talks, and you know what got you to to that point, Carl? Uh, you know, really to be well, melt uh, mental wellness, and you know that's really not a topic that they generally talk about in the law. Yeah. Uh, so I practiced law for a lot of years, thirty plus, and uh, I decided to pivot after uh, a, a very rewarding career. And I founded a company last May and it's focusing on uh, attorney wellness, uh, health, well-being, because I found uh, that that helped me uh, stay resilient throughout uh, what can be a very bruising uh, profession. I was on the litigation side of the house and um, it's a very adversarial system and that can wear down people. So I just found um, embedding a fitness component in my daily and weekly routine helped me handle what came uh, at me rather quickly. How so? Uh, since you, I know the physical piece aspect is really important it, to you. Yeah, it, it gave me, I, I would, uh, and still do, I work out in the morning and that kind of uh, is a brain dump and it would allow me and give me great clarity of thought. Uh, but it also, I just got uh, a tremendous uh, boost, uh, energy boost, uh, and again, the clarity of thought. So I would go into work in, in better shape, uh, both literally and metaphorically. I would just have a clearer mind to handle what came at me. You know, we, we would always have clients that were in crisis. Uh, you might be helping colleagues. You have to respond to the court. So you're juggling a lot of balls. And um, it just helped me to do that. And uh, I, bottom line is I would show up better. I would show up as a better person uh, and a better colleague and a better lawyer and a better friend. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the, the really important part is using your resources uh, to help manage that, that mental wellness. And that's the most important part is finding what resources work well for you and you utilizing those all the time. Uh, oh, with, without a doubt. Again, um, I would find, and I do find uh, a lot of solace in um, when I when I work out, and and uh, again, the clarity of thought. I could I work things out, um, and then I again I show up. I've got uh, better ideas, and I'm usually in uh, have a better disposition. <laughs> sure, you know it's one of those things about moving the energy. You know, we all get to that point when sometimes life gets to us. And if we don't move the energy in the proper ways to, to be more effective for ourselves, then it, it does really clogs up. We, we become damned, 
uh, as as the metaphor goes. How do you block? How, how do you unblock yourself how, when when you're doing all the, all the the exercise? What what specifically do you do to help you work through the the challenges? Well. I, I think when we're alone with our thoughts, uh, you know, many times uh, lying in bed, you're thinking about issues, problems, and, and at times they seem insurmountable for whatever reason. Uh, you may have this feeling like you're the, you know, you're the only person out there that's facing this type of issue. Uh, and when the sun rises and, you know, you're vertical and uh, I get my heartbeat going, uh, it allows me to take a step back and say, okay, uh, the, I can handle this and here's how I'm going to handle it. It, it's, it allows me uh, reflection. Uh, I, I'm able to reflect. And when I reflect, I can slow the train down and pause and come up with the next step, a, a best next step. So it, 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 it's, it's purposeful, it's intentional, and it's really designed to kind of slow the train down. Yeah, well, that's the really important part. And, and I, I say that all the time when I, when I, about meditation and resetting your brain, is that you can think quicker once you start reacting slower, uh, you know. I, without a doubt, I'll, I'll give you an example. Just yesterday, I had I went to a, uh, an appointment, and uh, when I came out, my car wouldn't start. Uh, I've had some issues. It's uh, with the car. I called AAA, and they said we'll be there within the next four hours. <laughs> they ended up showing up after two. The reason I raised that is I, I don't think a couple years ago I would have handled that as well as I did yesterday. I was by my car and I said, okay, this, I can deal with this. You know, the, the, there are people out there with far worse problems than a car that won't start. And I've got AAA. They said they're on their way and that's that. And it was a very nice day. And I just basically stood by my car and kind of observed life for two hours. I had nothing to read and I purposefully avoided getting on my iPhone and I just kind of uh, chilled out. And that, um, I don't, I'm not sure I would have been there a couple of years ago with with uh, the hustle and bustle of the practice and, uh, you know, everybody clamoring to get a piece of you. So it was it was very, very insightful that I was able to kind of downshift yesterday and, and deal with that, which, again, is not a big issue. But um, the two hours went fast, believe it or not. Yeah, that's the incredible part. Uh, you know, there's the old saying, uh, you know, the, the old Buddha saying if you can't meditate for 20 minutes, you need to meditate for two hours. And, you know, I, I used to, people used to ask me, you know, do you meditate? And I, I was like, I, I can't sit for that long. Uh, and now I can. Uh, you know, part of that is liking yourself, at least for me, was uh, the, the worst person I could have been with was, was me and sitting with myself. Now, I don't mind. Uh, my daughter had a job and she would like, you have to pick me up at time X and you know, sometimes she'd be late. Sometimes she wouldn't be because of the, the nature of the job. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's all okay. I just found things to do. Uh, you know, I sat with myself. And that's a really powerful part of learning to sit with yourself and being comfortable sitting with yourself. Uh, without a doubt. And uh, there's a quote I read in a book um, uh, that said, I'm, I'm never more lonely than when I'm not alone. Uh, 
which always resonated with me because I'm I'm okay being alone, and when I'm alone, I'm I am not lonely um, because I you know things I, I I'm I'm just flat out okay with it. I uh, I can get things in line and think of next steps and again downshift, which um, is a blessing, frankly. Well, being having that ability to do that. That's that's the really powerful part, right? The power that we want to share with everybody else has to start with within ourselves, and if it doesn't come from within ourselves, then that's the biggest challenge. Uh, you know, I've I, I, again from f- firsthand experience. That's how I, I see it, and it feels so much easier, and it flows so much better once I've learned that power for myself. Yeah, and and you know, I would try to mentor younger lawyers at my firm and help them with perspective. Uh, you know, I did not uh, go into either family law or criminal law, and that was by design. I I did some corporate stuff, among other things. Um, and there aren't a lot of what I the phrase I use is code reds. There aren't a lot of code reds in corporate law. Uh, you know, family law, you have some crises, criminal law, you have some crises, uh, but the code reds really don't exist in corporate law. And I would try to tell the young lawyers, just settle down. You know, we've got deadlines, but we can deal with them. Somebody's liberty is not at stake. The custody of a child is not at stake. Uh, they're not trying to institutionalize this person. Um, this is a corporate dispute. And we can deal with it. So um, that that was always you, you try to give off. You you don't you try to de-escalate, not escalate. Uh, and I would try to de-escalate tension and emotion amongst the younger lawyers in the firm. Now I'm going to assume, uh, at least using my experiences, that wasn't always your your focus in, in life. What was it? Uh, not always. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, no. So, so how did you get here? So, you know, I talk about Phoenix moments, uh, how, you know, what was maybe the aha moment? It doesn't have to be a, a Phoenix out of the ashes moment. What, are, what what's some of the things that, that have led you to th- this mind shift? Uh, it's, it's been, uh, 2014 was a kind of a, uh, pivotal year in my life. And I'll be very candid with you. It was a year of great loss. Uh, I had a brother-in-law that simply disappeared uh, out in Arizona. He to date has never been found. The week that he was, that the search for him was underway, David, was also the week my mother was dying of cancer. So though I had those two things going on simultaneously. Um, and I had to kind of silo these, those things to, to deal with, with each one. So uh, my mother did pass away. They never found my brother-in-law. Uh, when we had the wake for my mother, everybody came through the line, uh, friends and family asking, uh, you know, about my brother-in-law. Did you have any word on my brother-in-law? And then mourning the loss of my mom. And my wife commented that, when we got home that evening, I felt like we were at two wakes and it really felt that way. Later in that year, I found out that I, I was not to run anymore and running was my saving grace. So I, I call it kind of the trifecta of loss that year, 2014. And it was one of those, okay, so my mother's gone. My brother-in-law disappeared. I can't run anymore. What do I do here? How, how do I, 
I would be able to handle these losses by running. So I kind of had to figure things out and um, make a little something out of nothing. And um, I did that by kind of getting on the bike and learning to fly. Uh, instead of uh, running, I learned to fly on the bike. And that seemed to settle things down and, and put some things in perspective. And when my brother-in-law disappeared, he was 57. And that was the age that I uh, was last year when I left the law firm. So there was some symmetry there. I, um, you know, he was a dynamite guy. And I thought, well, you know, let me try to do something at the age of 57 going forward um, that my brother-in-law didn't have the opportunity to do. Mm. Well, that's really powerful. Uh, I, uh, unfortunately, I, I've thought about similar things uh, recently uh, as I've experienced some things. But uh, it sounds like so that, that big year has been changing. And, and you created, you know, you, you're, you're a coach. So I'd love to hear about the program that you created, the, the FIX program, uh, and, and what that means. Yeah, so it's, it's basically a, a, a program that can apply not only to um, fitness and wellness, but, but I think life. Uh, and it's an acronym for my last name. The F is to formulate a goal. The I is to institute a plan. The C is to carry through with that plan. The K is, I say, kick a little butt. There aren't a lot of good K words out there, uh, <laughs> you know, knight in shining armor. But uh, so I opted for just kick a little butt, meaning have some fun. And then the S is to savor, reflect, and reassess. And I think that, and so that's a program, uh, you know, I'll ask a client, what what do you want to do? Do you want to run the New York City Marathon or do you just want to walk around Central Park? Um, so there's there's your goal. Okay, if you want to walk around Central Park, you want two loops, then we're going to come up with a plan to get you those two loops around Central Park. Then we're going to carry through with it, you know, actually do it. And then the K's, kick a little butt, have fun. Uh, just enjoy it um, because it should be, a joyful experience. And then the S is to savor it and reflect and reassess. And the savor comes from uh, really just enjoying what you've accomplished. Because I found in the practice of law, you, you do one thing and then you immediately move on to the next. And there was no time, even if you, you know, conducted a good deposition or won a trial, the next day, boom, you'd be in the mix again. And that was a distant memory. There wasn't a lot of savoring. So the savor is just, hey, sit back and enjoy what you just accomplished. Reflect on it. And could you have done something differently? Could you have done something better? Uh, do you want to do something differently? So that's that's the system distilled into its simplest terms. And it's a, again, it's a, it's a riff on my last name. Yeah, but it, it really is as simple as it is that you could do that in everything. And that's why I want to talk about it is because it doesn't have to be about work, life. Really, you could apply that type of thinking to everything that you do, you know, because you don't just, we don't walk around random and we all have goals, right? Even, even if you're just going shopping, that's your goal and you need to have a plan. You don't just walk in the supermarket random, right? <laughs> I know right. me at least. I walk, all right, I know my exact path I, I, I need to go to accomplish what I want to do. And, you know, and we should and I, and I love the end about the savoring. We, we need to be gra add gratitude in our life and reflect and reassess 
and you know those are big R words and but you know it really is important to to do that because when you're walking up a mountain you need to look back to see where you've come from uh, as you're going through goals and, and things like that. Without a doubt, and you know I'll I'll share a, a, an anecdote. I did a, a charity bike ride for a cancer center in New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, called the uh, Closer to Free Ride, and uh, it's Smilo Cancer Center. And the first year I did it, I I was really unfamiliar with the start. And and what the start is is um, the so-called Smilo Salute. So the ride starts at Yale Bowl, goes about two miles to the Smilo Cancer Center, where the riders are met, David, by the cancer patients and their caregivers who are thanking the riders for doing what they're doing. Mm absolutely floored me. So we leave Yale Bowl. We have a, a police escort, you know, full lights and siren. We pull in front of the cancer center and here are these cancer patients with their caregivers thanking the riders. And it was an incredible moment. And I, I stopped, I took a selfie with, with a, a patient. We hugged it out. And after that ride, that ride, after that experience, I felt like I had a jetpack on my back, but that was you know, stopping to savor this moment that we were uh, mutually that we were giving to the patient, but the patient was giving so much to us, the riders. Uh, that was just a seriously cool moment. And uh, it kind of caught me. I wasn't blindsided, but I didn't fully appreciate that piece of the ride. I thought, okay, I'll just get on my bike and ride whatever, a hundred miles, whatever it is, raise money and then go home. Well, no, it was so much more than that. Yeah, you know, that's the really magical part is by savoring the moment, being more present in, in in our current life. You get to see so many different things that you might not have thought of, you know, as, as you're a good-natured person. And, you know, I'd love to hear about some of the other charities that I know you support. You're, you're a very giving person that, you know, it, it's more than – that's why I always say it's more than just giving a dollar. You want to give a dollar, awesome. Uh, you know, I know all the organizations want to do that, but it's that showing up piece and – when, especially when you can interact with people like that, that's what's really becomes that much more powerful. So, uh, you know, I'd love to you know, share some of that. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with the, with the general statement of I'm a big believer in sweat equity. Uh, it is easy to stroke a check. If you have that ability, um, you know, donations are helpful, but it's the sweat equity that, that is um, as meaningful. So I, I support and I'm on the board of two charities. One is Ryan, the Ryan Martin Foundation. Ryan, Ryan Martin is an incredible guy. Uh, he was a professional wheelchair basketball player in Europe. Um, and he now has a foundation where he helps youth and adult athletes with disabilities live independent and passion lives. And he, he, uh, we work on employment opportunities, accessibility, and the like. And uh, it's he's just a dynamite guy, and what he's doing is really incredible, and he's changing lives. Uh, I'm also on the board of the Fund for Greater Hartford, which is a foundation dedicated to improving the lives of children and families in the Greater Hartford area, um, academic and social success, but really focused on literacy. Mm. Uh, so those are those are two of the charities that I'm very involved in. I like to support veteran uh, groups as well. My there are a lot of veterans in my family. I did not serve, but my both my father and my father-in-law were were in World War II. Uh, I had a nephew that served in Iraq. Um, so veteran causes are very near and dear to my heart. 
Yeah, as mine as well. Yeah, we we had we yeah. had a conversation about that, and I, you know, just want to thank all veterans, and and you know, it's really one of those things that you you, you think about, especially for those of us who who have not served, but now there's so many people who have served, and you're like, huh, how their lives are different, and how our lives are different when you hear those stories and you connect with those people. It's again being in that present moment. Oh, without a doubt, and. You know, uh, two thoughts on this that I that I would share. One is, you know, litigation, as I said, is is very adversarial. And I will candidly tell you, I, I'm almost 100 percent sure during my entire career, I never once used a war metaphor to describe litigation because I didn't think it was appropriate. I did not have the credibility to do that, having never served. Uh, lawyers will throw out. Uh, war metaphors with regularity. And, and um, I never bought into that because it just wasn't, I didn't think it was proper. Uh, another thing, I, a dynamite thing I was part of was um, the Veterans History Project, where it's a Library of Congress initiative where they're capturing the stories of, of veterans. And uh, I sat with my father-in-law. At the time, my father, my father had already passed away, but we were able to memorialize his service through letters and photographs. My father-in-law was actually interviewed mm. and the interview is captured and it's in the library of Congress. And he's describing, describing his experience in, in world war two. He was in the, uh, the battle of Luzon, but it's, I, my jaw was on the ground listening to this. And he was very matter of fact in talking about it, but you know, so many world war two veterans are, are passing away. I don't know what the percentage it's very low. Those that are still alive. I mean, sure. the war ended in 45. So um, do the math, but it, it was so very gratifying to be a part of, of actually capturing history. And I put that together and, and boy, did it bring me great joy. And now, you know, his grandchildren have, have a nice CD with his, his war stories. And, uh, it was, it was kind of, kind of neat to capture. That's awesome. That's awesome that you can give that not only, and you know, that's one of those gifts that keeps on giving really in a lot of ways. And that's why, Getting those memories down are, are so important because not only did you, you, your, your wife get to share that about her dad, you know, you, you might hear that somebody had gone to, to war and some stories, and most veterans won't talk about what they did or what they experienced. Uh, it was very private. And then, but then you got a little bit of that sharing that not only will get shared to your, your, your children, but it'll get passed down, you know, if or and when you're, you're, Children have children and, and so on, yeah. which is so important. And I find, too, and I, and I think, you know, we're kindred souls in this respect that, you know, the more you give, the more you get. And that 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 closer to free ride experience I just explained to you that the more you give, the more you get. And I got so much out of that. And there are incredible gifts that you can give others that and I'll give you another, for instance, my I have an, a bunch of nephews, but one of them was a runner in high school. And when he turned 16, I said to him, we're going to run 16 miles. We're going to run one mile for every year you've been alive. And he is now a 25 or 26-year-old guy. He still talks about that run. We went out and ran 16 miles, just me and him. And it was, it was just my gift to him. Uh, he was a, 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 sh a short distance runner. I'm a, I was a longer distance runner and we talked about running and other things. And I gave him a few tips and he gave me a few tips, but 
But that's something that can never be taken away from my nephew or me. That time we went out and did 16 miles for his 16th birthday. So there's a lot of room for creativity on gifts. And and again, I was gifting him my time and perhaps my experience, but I also, I got a lot more out of it than than I think I put into it. Yeah, well, that's so. the magic part is is showing up and, and, and giving yourself that opportunity to see the, the gift that you're giving, right? When we're giving, but also to receive a gift. So it, it, that's the, the magic part. And I, I learned th- I've learned that also. Uh, there's times that you just feel like, okay, I'm going to give and you don't know what's going to happen. That's the magic part about showing up and doing things. We'll be back in a moment. This is John. And Mark Cronin from John's Crazy Socks. And we're interrupting to say, we hope you're enjoying this episode, but please make sure to check out our show, The Spreading Happiness Podcast, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes are available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Join us on our new podcast as we continue our mission, Spreading Happiness. Thank you, folks. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Bring It Back with me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky. What's one of the lessons that you've learned, uh, obviously, by showing up, um, that you know has really changed your life? Um, I, I've learned, (laughs) I learned a lot along the way. I learned, um, I went to college, uh, I was 17 and I didn't handle that well in all candor. I, uh, couldn't handle the time. My time management skills were very poor. Uh, I was playing some sports. I was partying. I wasn't really focused. And I kind of looked back. I was after a couple of years, I thought, well, this is, I'm being very disingenuous. I'm being unfair to my family who uh, at great sacrifice had me in college. Uh, my father, who I'd mentioned, never went to college. Uh, at that time, my mother had not gone to college. She, which is a, a cool story, later got her degree at the age of 78 years old. Wow. Uh, but when I was in college, my, both my mother and father had not gone to college. Um, so I kind of snapped out of it and I thought, wow, this is, I'm being really disingenuous. I, I later learned my father was uh, working two jobs to help pay for the tuition. And I was just being a, uh, a bum for lack of a better phrase. And I kind of grew up and figured things out and um, got my act together. And that's by doing that, I was able to get into law school and, and kind of get on the right track. So that was, I was in that and I realized this is not a sustainable situation. So I need to fix it. Well, that's really good. And that's part of that is, is that self-awareness. And it's sort of like you brought a bat to yourself by knowing that this was not sustainable, that the path that you were on was not really the path you needed to be on because the, the, the picture is bigger than just you. Uh, do you have oh, another? Uh, with, go ahead. Without a doubt. 
Yeah. Do you have another, uh, any other, you know, I talk about bringing the bat, which, you know, nonviolent, but, you know, those other changes in life when you, you knew you were in a situation and you needed to create those boundaries, created those non-negotiables to change. Uh, have you experienced any of that? Sure. So I, in 2013, I, uh, I left the law for, for a bit and I went to work for a, a foundation and, um, I did what I could do at the foundation. And then some issues came up where I had, uh, I, I didn't think something was uh, being handled correctly. Uh, we brought in somebody from the outside who confirmed that um, my position on things. And when the folks in charge didn't want to address it, I said, uh, thank you very much. It's time for me to move on. So I was not, I didn't want to be a part of that. My father, again, I talk about my dad a lot, but he said, you're measured by the company you keep. And I didn't think what was happening was kosher. So I chose to uh, not compromise um, and not sell out my principles. And I, I up and left and I returned to the practice of law. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, no, because we always have to bring a, a, a bat. That's why I talk about it. I, you know, I use it as a, as a metaphor, but, uh, you know, it's also, you know, that's where, you know, bringing an awesome thought is also really important about bringing the bat. Uh, you know, it's those awesome thoughts. Uh, and I'm sure that, yeah. you know, part of that is what brings you peace and love. What are some of the things that bring you peace and love or give a, share an awesome thought for us today? Yeah, so... Um for starters, my peace and love flows from my exercise. That kind of sets the table. So when I exercise, I'm, I'm uh, again, I show up better. I'm uh, in a better position to not only give peace and love, but receive it. So um, I, I find that in service. I am a service-oriented person. And <laughs> this really started when I was a kid. I was a paper boy. <laughs> and... I was in service to the community and uh, I did write a piece on this. And I learned in, in doing a little research on that piece that the U S postal service in the fifties actually had a stamp honoring newspaper boys, air quotes, newspaper boys, which is kind of funny. Um, I try to uh, my level best to write pieces that lift people up, not tear them down. I like to lead by example in word and deed. I try to appreciate beauty in whatever form it takes. Um, and I'll give you, for instance, my daughters uh, have danced and I go to all their recitals and I have some friends that have, you know, ribbed me about that saying, boy, that must be awful. And I say, no way. You wouldn't believe um, how talented some of these kids are, A, how much work they put in, B, and how much courage they have for getting up in front of, you know, hundreds of people and dancing. So, no, don't don't pity me for going to this dance recital. This is pretty cool. So um, I try to appreciate beauty in whatever form it takes. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I had daughters that uh, also did dance uh, as well as swimming uh, who are not, you know, they're in the late heats. Um, so you're sitting there the whole time. But there's that opportunity, again, to just appreciate where you're at and, and, and showing your kids whatever support. So if your kid's not the best, uh, at anything, but still showing up, it really does impact who's there. They know who's there and really shows up for them. 
Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I played sports as a kid and my folks were at the games, you know, and they were sitting there quietly. Uh, I'd look up, they were there. Game was over. I'd look up, they'd be gone. But I knew they were there. And I'd get home that night. Sometimes we'd talk about it. Other times we wouldn't. But I knew they were there. So I've always tried to show up for whatever events my daughters have been in. Um, that was one of the blessings of the profession, frankly, of practicing law. It, it gave me that flexibility, uh, you know, where I was not um, working a lathe in a factory where I couldn't leave. Um, so I was blessed in that regard. I could peel off at two o'clock or 3 p.m. On a, on a school day and see something. Um, you know, you make it up on the other end, but who cares? Those moments are fleeting. Um, well, that's finding that balance. Uh, that's why when I, I've been using, you know, I like using the, the bat metaphor uh, because when you're swinging, you can still swing and hit the ball off balance. But when you really hit that sweet spot, you really do. You're balanced. Everything's in flow in the nice way that we were talking about flow in our internal flow and external flow. So there's a lot of that that we have to do to, to make it work. And so what... Yeah, no. And, and, and again, if, you know, we've learned a lot in the last two years, again, things can turn on a dime. It's been a tumultuous time for everybody. And, uh, you know, kudos to those that, that were able to find the balance during this, again, to very tumultuous time. And I, uh, there, there were, and there still are a lot of people in distress because of it. Um, so I think we need to be ever more mindful of helping uh, others that that need a hand. We cannot. Now is not the time to turn a blind eye to these folks. You know, people people are in distress, and and I think we're we're duty bound to help them somehow. Yeah, well, that, that's one of the quotes I, I use over the over and over again about Muhammad Ali. Right, the price we pay for living on this planet is the service we do for others, and that you know. You, you definitely fit into that by all the things that you, you do. Um, you've, you've, you've given us a lot of things to think about, but I'd like to ask you, uh, you know, I, I like talking about the, the seeds or, or metaphors. Do you have one specific metaphor you like to use? Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, humble more and preen less. Hmm. Humble more and preen less. I think humility is a tremendous currency. Uh, and I try to uh, impress upon my daughters that if they traffic with humility as currency, it'll take them far. Uh, and preen less. I mean, you know, you don't need to be a turkey showing your feathers. And I think there's so much preening in social media. And I think that presents um, a faux take on a lot of things in life. Uh, it seems to be a never ending battle of one upsmanship. Like I, I need to show you how glamorous my life is, even though it may be fake. Like I, I'm not interested in preening. So <laughs> I think if we humble more and preen less, I think we'll be better off as a society. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, th that was one of the lessons I learned through my challenges is when, you know, I, I, growing up, I was kid ego, as I've mentioned on the show. And when I, I tried to hurt myself, uh, that's the part that, you know, by humbling myself, by telling people my story, because I want them to, you know, look at it and that you can move forward past almost anything you get through. 
but the ego, you have to lose your ego to do that. Oh, without a doubt. And and I, my freshman year in college, I, I walked on and tried out for a division one baseball team and I was full on Jagger swagger and I got knocked back, you know, into last month. Uh, I just, these, the, the guys that were on that team, the guys that were the tryout were exponentially better than me. And that was a very humbling experience. And again, I was a kid and I thought, well, this won't be a, such a big deal. Uh, it was the ego, you know, yeah. and I, and I did not at that time, I hadn't fully developed the, uh, the humility thing. Um, but it, it brought me down a few notches and I, I learned a lot from that. And I've had other experiences like that. So I, I try to, you know, spread that gospel that it's just humility is a, is a helpful thing. It's a useful tool. Yeah, very, very useful because it, again, puts us back into that perspective and understanding that, you know, it's not all about us. It's, it's, a, it's about service to others. And I know you're, you're a big servant leader uh, in life. It, it's it's just in, it's important because um, you know if people aren't donating their time among other things and things are just simply not going to get done. Uh, you know the hospital where I spent some time uh, working, the volunteer hours were through the roof, like through the roof. The monetary value of that was staggering. And what would what would these not for profits? What would these hospitals do without volunteers to? push wheelchairs or to greet things of that nature. It's, it's a really necessary part of our society and it's, it's good that we have people that are willing to do it. Yeah. And that's the magic part. And it's why we, I, I, I enjoy talking about charity work uh, because through my travels, I I'd met Frank Shankowitz and, and one of his things is when he was young, they said, well, do you know how to paint a, a fence? Everybody could do something. And, you know, that's the thing is you could do, you know, if you think that nickel for collecting a can for, you know, I support pink cans for cancer, that nickel, yeah, it's not going to change the world, but that nickel might put the the organization over the top to help somebody. Uh, you know, that organization specifically helps people through surgeries and helps families through funerals and so much more. You don't know where that collective, and that's what it really is talking about, is that collective, you know, being together and learning how we can all hold hands or grab somebody's hand to lift them up, not to knock them down. Yeah. Uh, a few years back, um, the firm I was with, we did Habitat for Humanity. And uh, again, that knocked me on my heels. What we accomplished on a given Saturday was absolutely mind boggling uh, to see this house take shape. Um, you know, again, I'm not that handy that particular day. I volunteered to drive a pickup truck and pick up appliances and take them to the various houses. I had a ball doing that. Uh, uh, I don't know if it was Lowe's or home Depot donated appliances. I got the pickup truck. I went with a friend, we picked them up and we would drop units at the various houses. Uh, so I know how to drive and I know how to lift heavy things and we made it happen. And, uh, you know, others were at the house, hammering nails, painting, doing whatever. And at the end of the day, it was really amazing. It was just very cool. Well, that's the great thing about being uh, in a community. And, and I'm so glad that you and I met, uh, in this legal, we- you know, wellness. I, I, you know, again, when I was in the law firms, 
the talk of mental wellness or or any sort of wellness was uh, you know you wouldn't do that. Uh, it might it'll affect your your billable hours. It'll it'll affect so much more. And now I was so in, encouraged by seeing uh, that 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 conference that we we, were, we we met at. Oh, without a doubt, and I I I'm grateful that a massively bright light is being shined upon this because uh, it's it's important for all the stakeholders. And and again, that's not unique to the to the legal profession, but you know that's the one that we're we've been involved in. Um, it, it's a stressful profession, and I think the firms and and others need to recognize some of the issues because, you know, the ostrich thing really doesn't work, <laughs> and uh, you know there are ramifications from that, and um, you know there's a domino effect. Uh, again, we are in service to others. If you think about all the the groups that we're in service to, and if we're offline, there's a domino effect. We can't show up. And, and be in service. That's why, uh, you know, self-care is not a selfish thing. It, it's, you, you, you do get obviously personal benefits, but I think it's a gift to others that when you take care of yourself, you then are in better shape to show up for others. So it's really, it's, it's, there's some duality there. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't see it as a selfish act. No. And, and, and if you need to feel that it's a selfish act then that's okay, because you have to start with yourself. Uh, you know, that that's really is, is if you are in the best shape possible, then you can help others that much more effectively. Correct. hundred yeah. percent. I, I can't agree with you more. Okay. Now, uh, so how, how can everybody contact you? Uh, you know, we'd, we'd love to give you that opportunity. Sure. Website is carlfix.com. C-A-R-L-F-I-C-K-S.com. And, uh, Easy to remember, and that's where I am. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm on Twitter when my younger daughter helps me get on Twitter <laughs> and Instagram. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I have it all on one phone, so I uh, just rip them all out at, at, at the time with messages. Yeah, but I'm, like again, I'll connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Uh, I do a post every Friday called The Friday Fix where I try to offer just a little nugget of perhaps wisdom or something that may help somebody get through their week. Um, I kind of share personal anecdotes. Um, you know, some of them are self-deprecating things that happen to me. And I try to tease out a lesson that might be helpful to others. So I do that every Friday. And then I have a, a newspaper column twice a month, same title, Friday Fix. Okay, and would you, would you like to leave one more gem? I mean, you've really, you know, uh, can't wait to hear this again because there were so many gems throughout there or, or a seed that we can let plant and everybody could let it grow in their own garden at the at their own speed. Yeah, I'd, I'd say forgive more and grudge less. Uh, uh, definitely. You know, in my younger days, again, I could hold a grudge as good as anybody else, but I realize that doesn't get you anywhere. And uh, everybody's got a lot on their plate. So we need to be uh, more forgiving to others um, because you, you absolutely categorically do not know what, what's going on in somebody's life by simply looking at them. And um, so we need to be a little more forgiving. It's been a really tough two years. There's a lot going on in the world today with, you know, Ukraine and food insecurity and, 
race divisions and all of those things. I, I, you know, the list goes on, but people are under or in distress. So I think we need to be more forgiving and then drop the grudges because the, they don't serve any useful purpose. So forgive more grudge less. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for, for your time. And thank for, you, David. And for everybody. I, I really else. appreciate it. Uh, me too. Uh, I, mean, I love the conversations. We'll just have to c- continue uh, this, not only on this episode, but maybe future episodes, but also just uh, personally. And uh, for everybody else, Agreed. we're just going to wish you peace and love as always. And when you bring in a bat, bring in an awesome thought. So hit your sweet spot and hopefully you knock it out of the park. Have a great day. Thank you. I'm really glad that you're enjoying our show. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by David Chemetsky and George Andriopoulos. Music selections by James Grant, Zach Nelson, and James Gaither, and licensed through Storyblock. Sound effects and sponsorship music licensed through Epidemic Sound. Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat is hosted with Podbean. Subscribe to our show wherever podcasts are available. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and share with all of your friends. Follow us on Facebook at Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Follow me, Uncle Dave, Dave Shemetsky, on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. You can find all those links and more info at davidshemetsky.com. For show ideas, feedback, guest inquiries, or just a chat, reach out to me at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. For sponsorship and media inquiries, reach out to peacelovebringabat at lp516.com. Make sure to follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Today's journey has come to a close, my friends. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember that peace and love surrounds you and will assist you to rise again. But don't forget to bring it back for what you believe in. Namaste. Namaste.